Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's episode is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Post your jobs for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Today's episode is also sponsored by Brooke Linden. Get $20 off and free shipping by going to brooklinen.com and using promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Today's episode is also sponsored by Blue Apron. Get $30 off your first meal by going to blueapron.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. God is so good. God is so hood. God is hood when you in the neighborhood with Bad Christian Podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. Back on the Bad Christian Podcast. Glad to be here with you guys. Um, I want to start with something that I thought that occurred to me, and I may have said something like this before. Don't stop yeah. me, even if I have. But I've been thinking about it. Joey, how are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I ahead, think Matt. that we're facing a what's going to be an interesting. It's just a prediction for me. I think, okay, based on what I've seen in the last couple of years, I think we're such a. I talk about celebrity stuff, like we're celebrity focused, but this this is actually, I think, a real thing that you'll see in the future. I think we're about to witness what I'm going to call a celebrity death explosion. Whoa! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, Joey, Joey's right there with you. Joey, you're tracking with Matt right now. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, and you're like, yeah, I knew it. I, yeah, I called that three years ago. <laughs> Do you know what, what I mean? But does it, you have a guess of what I mean by celebrity death explosion? You no, think that a not. shitload of famous people are going to... Oh, wait. Sorry, hold on. Celebrity death explosion. Explosion. Right. Yes. You think a shitload <laughs> of famous people are going to die all at once or something? Yeah, not... Yeah, okay. Or so, s- around the same time. Yeah, not not exactly, but um, yes, that you will see an increase in celebrity deaths, but here's the here's the thing: it's gonna, it's more of a perception than anything. I, I'm not predicting some apocalyptic yeah. event or anything like that. What I'm saying is, if you'll notice in the last few years with Tom Petty going recently and Bill Paxton before that, it's like right. you, you're starting to celebrity deaths are are publicized a good bit. Uh, we're living a time of social media where everything is commented on all the time by everybody, and right. we're becoming increasingly celebrity focused in general so we make a bigger deal about of it so a bunch of years ago if a celebrity died you wouldn't uh you you might hear about it, you might read in the paper somebody would have had right. to tell you like that you know what i mean but now there's no possible way you'll miss if a tom petty or somebody dies you you won't miss it you won't right. be able to miss it yeah additionally exactly right. and so we've had celebrities die th- your whole life you know some you know P- frank sinatra died and then somebody you know yeah. people Ex-presidents died and actors died, but yeah. they've always yeah. been these really old. Ronald Reagan has been these older people, and so the obsession with celebrity and the attention to it is now going to be coupled with the fact that if you think about it, the people that were dying ten and fifteen years ago were seventy and eighty year old people who were celebrities in 
when they were super popular in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And now we have people that were popular in the 80s and 90s dying. But I would suggest to you that the amount of celebrities that existed in the 40s, 50s, and 60s was minuscule. Like how many people were actually huh, famous right. in 1960? So now right. we have all, by the time it was the 90s, we had a shitload of celebrities. Everybody's a celebrity. Everybody knows everybody. And that's still before social media. And there's just a ton, ton, ton more actors, for instance, ton, ton more everything in every industry and every kind of celebrity. So there's a super high multiplied amount of celebrities on top of the fact that we're super focused with them and have the information to obsess over them and talk about them and recognize when they die and everybody knows it instantly. And now that generation of people that are Tom Petty, Bill Paxton, uh, you know, all the way, just Robin Williams, Kiefer Sutherland, who's alive, by the way. I'm just saying people in that zone who were famous when they were 30, now these people are getting right. in the death zone. So you're going to see, you're going <laughs> to note it. And, and they're just now, we're on the front edge of people who were very popular during a time when there were many, many celebrities, 90s. Um, and now those people are now becoming elderly and going to start dying. So the effect right. is going to be exponential. It's not going to be, oh, there used to be a celebrity dies one every year or two, and you see them. You're going to start seeing in the coming years dozens and dozens of people that are mass, massive celebrities dying. Celebrity death. Yeah, I, I kind of think that's the way it is with everything, too. Just, I, I mean, I would even say with like shootings or terrorism or anything, it's so well publicized yeah. and documented that you it feels as if— It I feels mean, that way I, and it's it, that it, way. Both. Yes, exactly. It's a yes, double I was getting ready to say. It feels that way, and it is that yes, way. Exactly. But you're exactly right. Like when I was growing up, we had three channels. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, that, that was it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Fox was created, and we had the fourth channel. Right. Like, what is this? Like you know. But I mean, I, and maybe we went and saw a movie maybe once a month or something. Right. Like it, it, celebrity wasn't anything. Like mm-hmm. it just was. And so that's why the other thing that was really crazy is like. It, I think now too that we are becoming a little desensitized to it. Like you think about like JFK being shot, that just ended everything, and it was such a you know. And I think maybe that would have happened with Obama, but now we're even moving into where our president's so crazy and out there that if somebody assassinated Trump, I don't know what the reaction of our country would Dude, be. Dude, that is such that. an interesting. Isn't question. that crazy? Like Holy I actually cow. do not know if it would be. It, it, it would be both. It would be some really isn't that crazy? Thoughts. It would be yeah, both. Who, who, who it controls, would be both, at least. Who controls the, the tone of our country? I mean, because seriously, like if Obama was shot and killed, every flag would be at half mass. Like everybody would be mourning. And with Trump, there's such a hatred towards him. I mean, would people have the balls Most people to go on social wouldn't. media and actually say, Thank God, good riddance. No, but I mean, you'd be, Pete, there'd be a lot of quiet people. <laughs> there'd be a lot yeah. of people who just so you know that that would say they were glad over the dinner table that maybe it, wouldn't put it on social media. But and there would be some really really despicable thoughts. I think the culture's sick. You know, I just think that's well, what I'm hoping. I think we may just be sick. I'm hoping this isn't a trend of the the amount of vitriol and hate and wherever we're at right now. I hope it's a virus, a flu that we get over and not a, you know a permanent yeah. trend or whatever. But it would be some nasty stuff, and that's all in the air, you know. But again, I think there's probably 50 times more celebrities than there used to be, you know, probably. And there, these 100. So how how about I'm, this? Even even within the church, and Joey, I work there, and Seacoast is a multi-site church, but there is an an idea there of 
uh, even when you go to church, there's a screen or something like that. Like somebody posted about Stephen yep. Furtick. I think Joey, you sent it to me too. And somebody posted on Facebook about turning off your phone and how it's a sh- shot collar of the devil in your back pocket and all this stuff. But I was thinking even church really pushes the idea of screen time and uh, hero worship, celebrity, <laughs> all of those things. Even if it's unintentional, even if yeah, it's that- meant for good, it's it's crazy. Like it, it's tough not to be constantly bombarded with somebody famous and Matt, how about even this what's really crazy is not only is it just movie stars or tv stars now you have youtube stars now you have all yeah, that's right. you know now you have the criminals that's right. that did something oh, exactly. now you have cops that shoot people or don't or the you know people trying to right. run from co- or whatever there's fame everywhere, everywhere. Now. like it's, how many famous like, christians were there and are there now like you know it used to be you know uh jim baker and a couple people and now it's right. like oh you can li- rattle off all these christians so like, i mean anyway right and you're you, the death thing you, you'll see going on and on but it's it's yeah. part of this whole thing of being everybody involved with stuff that doesn't seem to have to do with them is what really worries me partly about where we're at right now is everybody's out there Without even really any, I mean, this count me in on this as being part of the problem if you want, but it's a bunch of people that are just not even that thoughtful, having opinions about things on a national level that don't really have anything to do with them, nor are the thoughts unique. It's just a bunch of thoughts, and is everybody spending their time on stuff that kind of doesn't have to do with them. It's politics and right. celebrities and all this stuff together just seems so impractical to me to worry about. And I think the Harvey Weinstein thing is is almost that way. It's like, and if Joey, are you familiar with the Harvey Weinstein thing? I'm sure Toby is because he's a, into celebrities and you're not. Just tell us but, about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't um, know. He's a big. I, I know he's the famous sure. producer guy. Probably one of the most powerful men in Hollywood, and he, now he's it's coming out that he's got all these. Yeah. I think he started Miramax or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean he's just yeah. the biggest of the big time of not an actor, but the guy with the money who has the power kind of stuff. And it's come out that he's been you know somewhere between sexual propositioning and sexual assault and rape and uh, all these different hey. different things uh, with with prominent people like even Angelina Jolie and Rose McGowan and Gwyneth Paltrow, all these people have come out with stuff against him. Now, what's insane to me, and which is unbelievably horrible, abuse of power, all that stuff, but what's insane to me is we're now there's this whole national game of politicizing it, and everybody is moved on from that, from almost thinking about him, to just analyzing other people's reaction to how they react to, to, to him, and which is just makes me feel so crazy that we're trying to say now did hillary clinton say this about him what did she do about this who did this what did this person come out strong enough against him and now those people can be demonized and villainized based on if they came out strong enough or easy enough like that now you're i mean that's some crazy second guilt by association yeah yeah. it's i mean just if you you were in the time right now that if you don't react correctly to something else that has nothing to do with you if you don't go even if you're silent even if you don't react to it you're liable for that you're in big trouble people if you don't react to something and react the way that you need to for the people who will criticize you have to pick your sides just to even something that has no no fucking thing to do with you in the whole world yeah a powerful person who uses his power to get sexual advantages and is a scumbag how many of those are there in the world everywhere right. where there's power i imagine i mean so yeah it's like yeah. it's like I mean, what being are we silent doing? it's like being silent on a topic is not even an option i mean i i've had people uh, post on Facebook or, or tweet me and basically say, hey, did Seacoast talk about such and such on Sunday morning? Not, basically saying y'all have a responsibility to talk about something. And it's like, what What if 
what if the pastor that's teaching that Sunday just doesn't feel comfortable with talking about it at that time? Yeah. You know, yeah, and, that, and it's it's situation by situation. I think sometimes maybe it is the it's anti freedom is the way I feel about it. like you're not free to even have a thought or reaction or not a thought. I mean, I mean, and of course not legally. I'm not really saying it's a constitutional freedom thing. It's just a. It's like, wait a minute, I'm being held hostage, and not me. I guess people don't care what I have to say, and I don't care if they do, or I try not to. And But I, I hate the notion of, okay, well, then why don't you come out and, uh, what are you supposed to denounce X, Y, and Z? I, I mean, I, I, I will or I won't. Who cares? It, doesn't, it just doesn't have anything to do with me. And I, here I am talking about it, but I'm trying to talk about the larger topic. Who gives a shit about me weighing in on a certain thing? Because like that whole loop is so goofy. I, I mean, I guess a lot of people have made money off of it, and it helps a lot of people in some ways. And I, li- I like to look to other people and get their takes on stuff, but to expect and demand that people react to things that don't have anything to do with them and demand that they get it right is tragic, is sick, is twisted. Yeah. Well, and I... I really have thought about this ever, ever since I read. I read a few articles about it, and, and it's interesting this uh, this Harvey Weinstein thing because it's been going on for quite a while. And there's and a lot of the very famous uh, actresses, actors in the world have called have called him out, and but they've been implying this for a long time. Like this, it's not only females. Like uh, children get really abused mm-hmm. a lot too. In like Hollywood, like, yeah. Uh, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. They said that if they brought it up who did stuff you wouldn't believe it and and we're doing sexual stuff it's interesting to me man and i i'm gonna say i don't, I don't even know if i even want to talk about the, my thoughts I, I here's the here's the thing give yourself you a should, breather first and tell us a little about zip recruiter and collect your thoughts okay. and then come back in and <laughs> take a deep breath i need you. that yeah. i need i need to talk about something good before i talk about something bad all right, I just want to take another moment to tell you about this awesome service, awesome company, ZipRecruiter. Are you in need of great talent for your business but short on time? And I think we all are short on time, right? I mean, you have a life. You have other job responsibilities. Why would you want to spend all your time trying to find people that are awesome to work with you? ZipRecruiter finds awesome people to work with you. Let them do what they are awesome at. You don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click so you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then, ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you can receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different, folks. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. And this is what I think is really cool. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job post to help identify the most qualified candidates. You can even get ahead of the game and find the right people by getting rid of people that can't answer the questions that you have in your brain. I'm just telling you, ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Let me say that again. ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. I'm going to say it one more time, folks. Because I don't want you to miss this. ZipRecruiter is awesome. You need to hire somebody. This is the way to go. ZipRecruiter.com slash bad Christian. All right. So uh, where was I going with this? 
You were going to step think, in some uh, minefield well, where you sound like yeah. a, a jerk okay, well, or something. Well, I don't well know Je- Jess and I, that's my wife for the of you that don't know, we, we were talking about this, and the thing that was very interesting to me is neither one of us at all were surprised or shocked or like even that emotional about it. Like it, it did not even, and I, I was like, man, am I this callous? What is this? Like I, the fact that there's a casting couch or that yeah, you have to have, like, like that you have sex, like that's not, that that's never gone away ever. Like, yeah. like King David used his power to get sex and kill people and have women, right. Solomon, all these people in the Bible did all kinds of stuff like that. It's always been, maybe always will be. That doesn't make it right. But it's interesting, like, if you decide, like, if I go to the jungle, I know that there's going to be predators there. Hey, let's it's, surprising, <laughs> it's surprising that people would think, like, like I, I know that there might be animals there that would kill me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, some snake or a lion or tiger, whatever. Is, you know, it. Well, are people really surprised that there's they predators in be. Hollywood what, what, or what, in what, business or what it might be? So the, the big thing to me is, like, it, it feels like... I wonder how many men and women actually even feel bad for the, some of the actresses that really benefited from that. Like, how, how many people working a a really minimum wage job trying to, you know, uh, how many single moms or dads out there would trade with a famous actress millions of dollars in fame to to give a guy some kind of sex or something like that? Not that he's right or anything. And I don't want to like slut shame or diminish what women went through or men went through. Terry Crews just came out and said there was a powerful producer that grabbed his grabbed his stuff, his groin, his, his testicles and penis, and he didn't know what to do. He's a you know a big he's strong giant, guy, yeah. and and That's he said weird. I didn't know what to do. I would look like a. You know, of course, he was in a really bad position. He's like I'd look like a just some crazy black man trying to attack a some oh, white that's dude. That's real interesting because you know, you, I, I thought that so there he was, couldn't say anything. I think there's a bit man. I even saw an article that said something that 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 really kind of goes against what you're saying there. Is yeah. that there's this uh, some assumption that women being smaller or physically underpowered are more victim in some way, but yeah, that Terry Crews thing kind of thwarts that. It's really a power thing, kind of uh, outdoes even f- the physical part. Which is yeah. really bizarre, but I mean, I agree. It doesn't matter if you're Donald Trump or King David or uh, Bill Clinton or yeah. Harvey Weinstein. I mean, this is what powerful people do. Christian, not yeah. I mean, if you knew, if God, you knew all the stuff that Bill right, Clinton, powerful or people do yeah. that. Yeah, powerful people do that. Not all of totally. them. Totally. Yeah. And, I mean, we were talking earlier about it though. But like, I Bill Cosby, like, all of them. I I can't imagine like I. Like I, I, I said this earlier. I think like I, I hope that maybe he goes to prison forever, or is electrocuted, or murdered. Like he shouldn't. Like Harvey Weinstein. Who cares how rich or famous he is? Like he did this to people, and, and did this to women. Like that's awful. Like he should really be punished. And this is really mm-hmm. bad. And we got to get rid of this. And I understand. But I also at the same time, there's part of me that that when I think outside the box, I go maybe this is how that happens. Like that. And, and is it in a way like, are, are there any actresses that are like, hell yeah, I would have slept with Harvey Weinstein. They gave me a part in, uh, you know, Jurassic Park or whatever movies he was doing. You know what I mean? Like, are there, is it like, like, what those the women that are coming out against him? Why did they wait for a long time? What were they waiting because they were scared for their career they'd lose money? Like I mean, what like why now? Like yeah. why, why Gwyneth Paltrow now when she could have she could have saved tons of people? Yeah, totally. You know how many women she could have like if he did that to her? Like, the article I read it was kind of it was interesting. Like he she said that Harvey That's tried to do something to her sexual and she ran out of the room. And then later, like Brad Pitt confronted him, said, "You ever touch her again?" You're, or something like that. I was like, "That's look at Brad Pitt. That's funny." But she could have came out. Why didn't she? Like, what is the? Is it because you want hmm. to succeed in the movie industry? Like, I don't. I, I I just I'm questioning 
why now? You could have helped people. You didn't. And now, like, there are victims saying, oh, I'm a victim. But you actually, by not coming mm. out, didn't. So you do care about your money, and you do care about your fame, meaning you accepted it. So, so in a way. In that, a way. That's Maybe. separate from me saying there's that people power that have though. nothing to do with anything, have no business talking about it. It doesn't matter. But in this case, if you talk about the actual people involved, Gwyneth Paltrow and those people, if they knew, and all the people that knew about Bill Cosby that did know what culpability is on them for not coming forward sooner. That is interesting. 100%. But, but, but that, might think, be, that might be seen as victim. I mean, I'm, I'm confused now because... I don't want to victim shame. And so, but, but how about this? How many people did Harvey Weinstein molest or rape or coerce last year? After but, Gwyneth could you know have I mean? like, prevented, I mean, for, or, for Yeah, instance. or anybody could true, have. That, but, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, like, there is a... The reason... It, I'm just questioning... Are they coming out now because they're successful? He's older. They can get they now. There's not as much like you know. It's going to be very mm-hmm. same way. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, look at Colin Kaepernick. He took a knee and now he cannot get a job. And there's rumors out there, you know, circulating that he said he would stand or whatever if he could become a quarterback again. Yeah, I was whatever. wrong. I'm I'm one. It is good. Yeah. So I'm wondering too though. Like now, it, it, the NFL's thinking about not saying you can't kneel during the what what will happen? Will yeah. Will you go into your pocketbook? Will you lose your career yeah. for you know taking a stand, or is it really a stand, or what? It, what does that look like? How about I, a whole I, other I, take here? Let me ask Joey this question, or, or anybody else out there. What about the? Because I think you might have been hitting at that a minute ago when I was listening to you, and it's what about the notion that an, an empowered? <laughs> this, this might sound real crazy, but what about what would you say about an empowered woman who goes, yeah, hell yeah, I gave him a blowjob, best decision ever made. Now, look at me now. I got yeah, the part. If did it. Like, right. I, I liked it. I mean, I don't like him. Like, I think he's gross, but who cares? What, do you, think, what do you Yeah. What do you think about that woman? Like, like, like do it, I, res- like do I she's respect that Was it abuse? Person? No. I mean, he just it just was a, tr- a transactional thing. Yeah, whatever. But I was fine with it. Not that, I mean, I think he's gross. I just did it to get the part. So what? Right. Well, <laughs> well part of me, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, but that, that part of me thinks in a way that, like, like, I don't want to talk about football forever, but a football player goes, I'll risk concussions mm-hmm. to get where I want to go in yeah. life, to get is you know, a platform, to get money or something. That like, we yeah, want there impose, is, there know, is, that, yeah. for sure. And, and when, when it's harder now because I don't know these people, and if we were talking about my daughter or Reva or something like that, like it just makes, like it, you know, it, we, you could even say there, there are girls or there are ladies, young ladies that will dress a certain way and act a certain way to get on a tour bus. Or to mm-hmm. be around famous guys, and the idea there is that a lot. Oftentimes, they're kind of even sluts, or they're sleeping with the band, or that's what they're but doing. But what if they're now. okay with that? Is what I'm saying, right? What that's what that... I'm saying. Like now, the the next question after that is, does that reflect on somebody that wouldn't? Like Reva rides on, mm-hmm. in a bus with us and hangs out with band dudes, and we do not even come close to anything like that with Reva whatsoever. We are friends. I think of her almost like a daughter. You think of her as a sister, and and I'm just thinking like that. So Reva, I don't know if Reva wants to hop in on you here. You got a mic, Reva? Reva. Probably, yep. What do you Re- think? Reva, do you, yeah. What do you think Ask about uh, girls who go on tour buses? So, if they want to make that decision for themselves, that's fine. But the implication it makes for the rest of us is what's shitty. <laughs> Which is what people assume that if you're a female on a tour bus, you're sleeping with someone. Why else would you be on a tour bus? Yeah. Because right. you're a girl. So then that makes people like me have to work extra hard and be conscious about how we dress and how uh-huh. we act so that we're taken seriously. <laughs> and even at that, people still ask me, hey, who are you sleeping with? And like, who in the band are you dating right now? It's like, no one. Reba, you've gotten, <laughs> a- you've gotten asked that question? 
Yeah, someone. I won't say even what city. <laughs> oh yeah, protect, protect them, okay. <laughs> protect the city. Be careful. No, just way. say the city. I want to know. Cincinnati. You got to protect the. I hate that city. Cincinnati. <laughs> Stay away from men. Do not go near men. She in hates Cincinnati. spaghetti. She, she hates the chili mac <laughs> oh, yeah. and their douchebag uh, Emory fans. <laughs> yeah, the chili spaghetti there, does. Suck. I was loading out merch, and someone said. Who are you sleeping with in the band? And I was like, really? Like, you see oh what I'm gosh. doing right now? If I was That's sleeping so with someone in the band, you think I I'd have to like load out merch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would at least get you out of loading yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, You're right. Are, aren't, yes. aren't we on the same? Aren't we on the same level of of strippers and strip clubs? I mean, that obviously, in you know, a lot of people would say, oh man. Females shouldn't do that. But then there's a whole demographic of people that they see that as a legitimate profession. Well, they're Sex making workers. a yeah. lot of money. Empowered, right? I mean, it, it's it's just it's just exploiting your sexuality. I don't see you know and exploiting then you take it to a next. What about step. exploiting your intellect? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just, a, it's just a quality yeah. that they have. And I mean, yeah. to be honest, so I'm not so to- I mean, your que- your question about how I would feel about a woman that does that. My my mind goes on on both people. I, you know, I kind of would say ah, I, I I don't really respect the woman all that much to just do a sexual favor to get promoted. But then I feel the same way, even more so about the guy. And I think it's the same sort of mentality of dudes that would go to a strip club, especially well, when they're married. And, and just uh, you know, so for me, I, I put it all in the same category. And well, I let's think clarify both- this too. Sorry, I want I do want to clarify. Obviously, if somebody makes advances and you're saying no and you don't want that, that is oh, course, great. Yeah. Right, we're that not even talking about that. Yeah. We're talking that about is, that is all. Yeah, we we are talking about women that would feel comfortable saying, "Yeah, I don't care if I give this guy a hand job." And this I is it, a, it, it largely gets, theoretical, I imagine. Yes, totally theoretical. Right, to right. But, but but I do think there are ladies out there that think that, like it, it, it's it's or think about prostitution. I, right. I do think that there are women out there that do that engage in prostitution because it makes them more money or their situation or whatever, and they're trying to help themselves. Now, of course, we would all want prostitution to end. I don't want. I don't want any woman having to use have sex to make money if she, that is not what she really wants to do. But what if it is it possible that it could be? It, it, it is, but you're right. I don't know if we could ever pull apart any kind of connotation with it that they weren't something sad mm-hmm. or bad or negative or anything like that. Like, but but that's what's interesting. Now we are living in a day and age where it is changing. The Kardashians are famous because Kim right. had sex. The the Playboy Mansion and Playboy ladies are thought of in higher regard right. in a way. So, I mean, they're, they're, they are using their bodies sexually to get ahead. And I, I don't think, like, do you think Kim Kardashian goes, shit, I wish I'd have never done that sex tape. She wishes she had done more maybe. Or, right, right, or right. you know what I mean? Like that sex tape built a, sure. an entire family career. Yeah. It's and interesting so, in a, things yeah. to play with there. I, but, I think, though, I mean, I, I definitely think sex is in its own category itself. Uh, I just, I think it is, but we may overdo it. I mean, we may put more weight on it than maybe we should sometimes. But is it, it in the context of what we're talking right now, is it that separate from offering a, a, a high school quarterback uh lamborghini to come and, and play college it's it's basically yeah maybe. uh, uh it's, it's, it's a basically a, a lack yeah. of integrity yes. in trying to get That's something right. to do something for you yeah. but if if both parties are consenting i'm just not sure who you can point a finger well to. how about abuse of power is another whole category here yes like right sure. that i mean right. there, there's difference right. in some in transactional sex between a prostitute 
or something. Right. And, that and, and is this voluntary, is, that's not pimped or trafficked or right. so, this, in theory. But abuse of power, we know what it is and we don't, nobody likes that. We don't like it when Bill Clinton does it or we don't like it when right, King David right. does it. We don't like it when Harvey Weinstein does it. It's right. very, very bad. But we should have our eyes all pretty wide open that this is what we will expect to find anywhere where anybody has any concentrated power. That's, I mean, yeah. I just don't see why you would expect anything different. And I don't know what to do with that information, of course, but this seems, uh, it's kind of not that surprising or something. I don't I'm, know. That That, that is so what shocked me. Is like for mine, a reason. Yeah. yeah, mine and Jess's reaction and just the idea of, I don't know if anybody here is surprised that a famous Hollywood producer did this. Yeah, no, like that's no. what's crazy. And so th- the further thing there is, if no one's surprised, then what do we really think about it? You know what I mean? Like, like if if you found out Angelina Jolie slept her way to the top, you wouldn't be surprised. You just wouldn't be. Now that doesn't mean it's right or good or the the correct thing to do. But my question is, if we all know that, why wouldn't we do? Why why only after the fact do we seem so appalled? And yeah, so upset. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that, that weirds me out a little bit. It seems a little like, false and politicized for the way people act like, oh, I am shocked and disheartened and all that kind of thing. Seems a little fake feeling to you. Hey, yes, so, that's what so I'm just, If this happened to my daughter, if my daughter was 21 years old and Harvey Weinstein go kill tried him. to do that, I might really would. Right. But if you're somebody I mean, in know, Nebraska that heard that, that happened, you'd be like, I ain't su- surprised. I am yeah. shocked, saddened, it, and outraged. Well, you, I, I, like, that's uh, what I'm saying. Reva, I'm mad that you didn't tell us that. Yeah. I would have loved to walk outside and maybe fault the shit uh, out yeah, of that Yeah, I'd guy. love to ban that, that I mean, guy I, for I, life. Or I mean, him. that makes me upset. Like, if, if if there are ladies out there listening, do tell. I, but, but I understand that is where it gets tricky. That power means... Your income for you, your family, mm-hmm. what you're trying to do, your career, and all that stuff. So in the moment, it might seem easier not to say anything. So I Reva. don't want to slut shame or victim shame whatsoever. I'm glad that people are coming out saying this, but there's Harvey Weinstein is just one. Yeah, you said one. that earlier, man. I mean, you, that, that's every there's small businesses where the owner is abusing power. Oh, of course, that's happening it, it, that everywhere. So, at, so retail. So the only thing that can stop it, if we actually are appalled and upset, is you got to tell people. Like Reva, if that ever happens again, you immediately just tell. Start screaming! <laughs> like whatever I it can takes. really see like, do that. Like I don't want. I, yeah, I know. Reva, Reva, at any point, Reva in can you, handle herself. But at, still. at at any point in you working with us or for Emory Bad Christian or anything, had that was there ever times when you worried about losing your job just on the basis of what if Matt gets to a point where he just thinks this is just too hard, too complicated, being a female, being on the road, being in the office together. Have you ever thought maybe he would just abort just on the sake of it being too complicated? Um, No. Maybe. I mean, he said before that it'd be a lot easier if he had a male assistant or that he's going to hire a male next. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, in some ways, it would, that's true. But that, but that's probably... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that could be possibly now. Do you, Reva? Do you understand those sentiments, or is that offensive? Give, especially given that you know Matt, is that an offensive statement, or does it make sense? Well, it makes sense, but it's also like a bummer that it's that way. Yeah, it's not fair, and I mean, I, that, that's yeah, what it boils down to. It's reality in saying that fair. I would say that just because I'm comfortable enough to probably say it or think through it in some way. I don't think it's like off the cuff or jerk remark of mine i try to i think about those things a lot and i discuss those types of things with reva a lot no but like once, once or twice but once or twice a week matt you text me and say man i wish reva was a dude no, no i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think women are better i just think women are better than, than guys i think 
overall, I, just, I mean, that's still that's still a sexist comment. But I actually, I don't know. I just think I, I think Reva and Melanie that that works for me also doing podcasting stuff. They're just I've had a lot of guys do stuff, and they're better than they're better. I just think women are better than men. I'm glad I have daughters. I think they're better suited for the future than men. I really. I, well, here's what that. I would like to say. I don't. I don't know even necessarily. I think better in lots of ways. Some some ways that men can't be or or could be, and just women are naturally more gifted. But I'm trying to get this this things, guest. I I'm trying to get this guest for uh, break it down. I've been doing some break it down booking and stuff like that. And there's a guest, and I was reading one of her articles, and one of it was about how. Uh, women are it when, when like virtual reality goggles give women more like motion sickness. They get more motion sick, but overwhelmingly, there's no women developing it, even though they mm-hmm. could. And in the beginning, they did. Women were majority of people who came up with coding and did coding and all this stuff. So, like right now, I, I relate that to this. Like without Reva's input in all kinds of things, I think naturally and inherently, Reva brings something to the table mm-hmm. that we cannot. Oh, of course, which yeah. actually causes balance and mm-hmm. helps us a lot. Like if there, if Reva was a guy, we would be missing an entire worldview, experience, uh, intellect everything like just actually her being with us yeah helps us be better that's the argument for too. diversity you know that's the a- argument for proactive diversity is is not yes. not to be affirmative action of this or that or meet quotas or anything like that it is to make sure that our collective blindnesses as cis hetero white evangelical men aren't all their, you know what I mean? Like, right. if, you, if it's that narrow, then then you it's a personal liability to not have. You know, you you may have collective blindnesses that you want to counteract. If nothing else, is a good argument for diversity. So we need like a an Asian, uh, who who knows? Uh, we need a Aboriginal worker, and <laughs> you got to go get one of everything, and then you'd be more rounded out. But not not for any proactive reason. But yeah, I do think that. But I do I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty pro women. I think we're in a bumpy time right now where yeah. it's like there's this stuff that's clear like I didn't really realize all the stuff they had to deal with, like Reva going on tour. I didn't realize there's all that stuff they had to deal with that's such a right. disadvantage. But on the other hand, I find them more capable and likely to succeed in the future. So I don't think women are I honestly do not think women are way held back. And I think a man and a woman born today, the woman is better off. Not disadvantaged, advantaged. Going forward, over the next generation or so, I think it, it, it's a. I, I think women are actually better off, dis, even including the disadvantages that they do have, which I fully acknowledge and and being more made aware of all the time. But yes. we'll see. Let me tell you about something else that is uh, real awesome, and that is Brooklyn and Sheets. Okay, you know how people are always talking about life hack this and upgrade this. Well, let's talk about upgrading your life for a second. Let me tell you a smart and easy upgrade. The right sheets that's right bed sheets the right sheets can make or break a good night's sleep and it's an easy way to upgrade your life you spend a third of your life in sheets and there is a great solution that i'm here to tell you about today and that is brooklinen.com even though quality sheets make up quality sleep, most high-end bedding is marked up, and this should make you shudder here, by 300% by the time it reaches the stores. Now, Brooklinen makes quality, luxury sheets and bedding accessible to everyone. Thank you, Brooklinen. And this is great because they cut out all the unnecessary markups and all the manufacturing waste in order to offer exquisite designs and exceptional savings across their collection. Now, Brooklinen is the fastest growing bedding brand in the world because people love the products. That's pretty simple. Now, listen to this. This this sounds crazy, but it's true. Their sheets have over 12,000 
five-star reviews. Not kidding about that at all. That's true. Look it up. This is luxury bedding, underpriced, and you have to try these sheets today. I love my Brooklyn sheets. Try these sheets, and you'll know why I love them, too. Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. In fact, Brooklinen is so confident that you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give these sheets a try. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen. These really are the best sheets ever. Thanks for coming on, man. I, I was... uh. I was reading about you and uh, just kind of taking a look at some of the stuff you've been doing. I, this is something that struck me, and I'm curious if you get this a lot. If if people didn't know about your stance on sexuality and your sexuality and all that, you you don't seem progressive. Like you and and what and what I mean by that is you you fit the mold of a respected pastor that is giving respectable encouragement that is not outside of the box as far as uh, biblical views. It's just like, oh, that dude's a pastor. He's a young guy. He's obviously talented. He's well-spoken. And, uh, and and what I find so interesting is that seems to have been the narrative with the book that you wanted to put out. And then all of a sudden they said, nope, we heard about your sexuality. I mean, it, it, do, do you get that to where people at first say, Oh wow, that's a pretty respectable pastor. And then, uh oh, we found something else out. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, um, especially back when the book stuff happened, that was about two years ago. Now, like the, I was definitely a straight-laced evangelical kind of typical young Christian millennial, um, and kept getting disregarded and pushed outside the boxes. And and over the past two years, as that has happened, my faith and worldview and everything has definitely expanded to where um, for the more conservative Christians, I would definitely be uh, more problematic. But mm -hmm. uh, especially in those initial, that initial phase, just coming out of Bible college, I was, yeah, just, it started off with me not even being openly LGBT. I was just supporting marriage equality. And right. um, I was still in the closet. And so everyone thought I was a straight gotcha. white evangelical guy who supported marriage equality. But even that was enough to get me pushed outside of the boxes of conservative <laughs> Christians. Would you give our audience a quick version of what happened with that book? Uh, we, we're caught up on it, but we'll just give them the Cliff's Notes version yeah. of, of that. Totally. So, long story short is I basically, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, a conservative evangelical mm -hmm. school. I was studying to be a pastor. While I was there, um, I always say, if you want to start a fundamentalist Bible college, don't put it in the heart of one of America's biggest cities, because I would leave out of the walls of Moody and go into Chicago and experience the real world and my theology and what I was learning at, inside the walls of Moody and what I was seeing on the outside of in, in Chicago kept clashing. And so, I started a blog where I was just writing, asking questions about conservative evangelicalism and why we did what we did and believed what we believed. Um, very quickly, that made me unpopular among the Moody Bible Institute world, um, but it also got me this little bit of a platform, and a conservative publisher reached out and said, hey, 
would you want to write a book about this experience of being a millennial in the conservative world who's starting to move a little bit outside of the boundaries of traditional conservative evangelicalism? Yeah, it's okay to challenge a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Be a little bit edgy is a good thing. <laughs> totally. And that's, that's what the publisher <laughs> thought they were signing up for when right. they signed me. Uh, this is the publisher that publishes Bishop T.D. Jakes and Bill Johnson of Bethel and all this Crazy. Yes, uh, you are not in now. good company. <laughs> yes. God uh, saved you from that. <laughs> really, honestly. Uh, and I was so naive. I mean, I, I, it was a terrible book deal looking back at it. But um, I was 21 or 22 at the time. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. Um, and I started writing the book Nomad, A Spirituality for Traveling Light, which was just supposed to be that journey to the edge, not necessarily crossing over the edge of conservative orthodoxy, um, mm. and spent about a year and a half, two years writing that. By the grace of God, I graduated from Moody. Um, they tried to expel me six times for pushing boundaries um, theologically. Yeah, and Lord. when I finally graduated, I moved to D.C., um, where I'm from, and started advocating very publicly for marriage equality while still being a conservative evangelical. And in the closet? Or yeah. out of the closet at that point? I was out to a few friends, to a few uh -huh. professors at Moody, but not publicly in any way. Um, and as I started doing that, again, I started ruffling more feathers. I turned in my manuscript to my publisher, I think it was in January of 2015. And um, within a couple of hours, I got an email back and they said, we love what you've written, but uh, this stuff you've been doing with marriage equality has basically caused you to be blacklisted from the CBA, which is the Christian Book Selling Association, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and they said, unless you can sign this statement, which was basically Romans 1 printed on a piece of paper that condemned homosexuality, um, they said, we can't publish this book. At this point, I'm in D.C., um, outside of the conservative environment I was in. And so, I started being more open about my sexuality with friends, and I could see where my trajectory was going. I was beginning to reconcile faith and sexuality. And so, I sent an email back and said, I can't sign this agreement, and I think I know what that means. Um, and within a day or two, I got another email back saying, your contract has been canceled. Um, Did you get to keep some advance, though, at least? Well, that's the thing. They got me really well at 21. They didn't give me any advance. Oh, man. So. <laughs> that's why you're supposed to get one. <laughs> right. Exactly. I had no clue I mean, what I was doing. This this is what's so cool about conversations like this is I don't care what anybody, you have to admit that you, my friend are one of us. Like, and what I mean by that is like Christians that listen to you and they hear about your sexuality. They're just like, okay, well that's those guys. They're obviously, I mean, everything you described about yourself is, and I'm, and I'm not saying I'm not minimizing it or calling it un, unspecial or anything, but you're a Christian guy that went to a Christian school that believes in Jesus, that reads the Bible, and you know you're obviously a gifted writer. And they wanted to publish you and everything, and it's just like, no, you are in a different category. You're not one of us. You can't be because of your sexuality, and that yeah, but, and that's. Go ahead. But we all know where he went wrong. He was at Moody in the walls of Moody, but he went out into the world and he became of the world. <laughs> right. He, he, well, got, he missed the in and of distinction early on, and that's how he got into this predicament now. And here's now, what stands, stands out to me. Okay. What, what I wanted to ask, too, is does that, it seems to me, and I wanted to ask, like, 
it seems as if you wanted to, like most people, make your sexuality minuscule. It's it's a component yeah. of your life, not the thing. The church, the school, the publishers right. all made it the central focus when right. that was never what you were trying to do, right? Yeah. Despite the flat fact that you can see a rainbow flag behind me, which is not normally where I would do this interview. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a cross I mean, back there too, though. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's both. Uh, but yeah, for me, sexuality has always been, I mean, it's super personal. Um, and I was kind of forced into the spotlight, so to speak, to talk about it um, right after just to kind of put the bow on it. Right after I lost the book deal, a Time Magazine reporter reached out to me and said, I want to do a story. And the long story short was she accidentally outed me publicly. Um, so I never wow. actually came out. Wow. Um, I was outed um, in an article about this book deal. And then from that point on, I've been really grateful for the opportunities to speak on behalf of LGBT Christians and the LGBT community to the conservative evangelical establishment. And um, I'm much more interested in helping people live whole lives modeled after the way of Jesus than I am about um, waving a rainbow flag necessarily. Well, they would call it the gay agenda. So your primary concern isn't the gay agenda then? Yeah, because the gay <laughs> agenda is just to live a, a pretty normal life. Um, and so, yeah, and for the so past we few know- years. I'm sorry? No, I was just so- going to say it's primarily the conservative Christian world that keeps pushing us into this space where we have to keep talking about this. So. Yeah, yeah. So we know you're not an L. So w- which which letter are you? Yeah, let's. Yeah, yeah. I was curious about that too. I mean, if it's okay to make some of this interview about your sexuality, there's. I have a, a broader question about it, but yeah, let's go with that. What what is your sexuality? Yeah, totally. Initially, I came out as using the word queer, which um, for me just meant I hate the labels altogether. It was my way of saying I don't want to talk about this who I'm in a relationship with is really nobody's business. So that was your middle finger. Wait, is that what que- I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, won't, I don't want to act stupid exactly, but I, I'm not really familiar with exactly what queer designates. So it, explain that a little further. Queer means different things for different people. It's a hard word, but that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's mm-hmm. just, it literally comes down to most people who use the word just means they don't fall within any label or spectrum or binary. Um, and so Primarily in culture today, if you hear somebody use the word queer, that might mean that they're actually gender queer, uh, not male, female, but some combination or neither. Uh, so that's that's one conversation. But for me, it was just my rebellion against wanting to be categorized as gay, bisexual, or, or homo. No, yeah, yeah, something there. So, but is queer? I mean, you know, we used to use queer on the playground as an insult just to mean gay, but it, it seems like it has some properties in vernacular that may not even be associated with that in an origin way that just means, and I don't mean it pejoratively, but abnormal or strange or odd or not non-standard. Is that, is that part, kind of where queer comes from? Totally. For me, um, in the book, I actually went back and added a chapter called Holy, and I, I see queer and holy as the same thing. It just means set apart, unique, different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I use that as a subversive way to make conservatives freak out a little bit when, we, when I say that God is queer because queer and holy are the same thing. Yeah, It, it is weird, though, because when I hear the word uh, queer, I actually, it, it, it has a negative connotation. So it's interesting because I, ha- I have heard more and more people in the LGBTQ community use that word. I mean, my grandpa, he used to say about gay people, there's nothing gay about them. They queer. And like that was, <laughs> that was a very negative remark kind of, 
shoving them off to the side like we don't even need to pay attention to them sort of thing uh so yeah that's that's uh that's super interesting well, I, well my question to you is uh, you know just just for complete transparency and I, i'll try to use a conservative amount of time i mean definitely five years ago so well hang on though joey but we didn't he said that he came out originally as queer go ahead you know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, in, right. you know indicating that you may have refined that or changed it since yeah, totally. Just uh, today I would use, I mean, I still like the idea of queer not being put into any category, but mm. I think bisexual is probably the most uh, realistic and honest term, even though I primarily date people of the same sex right now. So, okay. All right. I love talking about Blue Apron because I really like food and I love what Blue Apron is all about. I mean, it is it is as simple as they send you to your door fresh ingredients to make unbelievable meals. Literally, my wife and I together have made meals. It only takes about 40 minutes or less, usually a lot less, and we're literally eating the best food that we've ever made. Now, check this out. The fifth anniversary of Blue Apron is this October, and so they are treating all of Blue Apron community to bringing back Blue Apron recipes that were the most popular, that were the customer's favorites, and this is a limited time. And here's what makes it so special is over the course of a whole year, Blue Apron does not repeat recipes. So that's why this is so exciting because they're bringing back all of your favorites. And you can go to blueapron.com forward slash bad Christian to try the all-time customer favorites. Now, Blue Apron has unbelievable effects on households. Like I said, it's a good bonding time for my wife and I. It's a good time to hang out, make food, learn about cooking. And we've saved a lot of these recipes that Blue Apron has given us that we've had such good experience with. And so now we have recipes that we can revisit anytime we want. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, we're going to offer you a deal that you cannot pass up. So I want you to realize that this food, it is so good and such good quality that it's pretty much up to par with super nice restaurants, yet you are going to pay $10 per person per, per meal, which you know when you go to a nice restaurant, especially with tip, I mean, we're talking a good $75 to $100 for your bill. So go to blueapron.com slash badchristian and get $30 off your first meal. That's with free shipping. So you're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash badchristian. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Um, so five years ago, easily, I would have probably said, or I, if someone asked me, hey, what do you think about that Brandon guy? I'd be like, well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt his faith and and whether or not he's a Christian, but he's misled big time. Like, there's just no way that this could be God's will. Where now I'm in a place of I'm figuring it out and I'm learning more and more. And I would definitely err on the on the side of who am I to say that he's not hearing from the Lord? But how? I mean, and I don't know if it's even possible to give a snapshot answer. But how do you answer the question of, dude, you read the Bible? You've got those six scriptures, <laughs> you know, some of them very obscure, but how in the world can you think God's okay with this? Like, what's your answer through a biblical lens? Yeah, totally. For me, I never found any of the arguments on either side of the six clobber passages very interesting or helpful. Um, I, I spent my master's degree that I finished up about a, a year ago 
studying sexuality and gender biblically for about two years. And for me, what eventually convinced me was simply it's the story of Peter having the vision of a sheet coming down from heaven. And on this uh, sheet, God has all sorts of unclean, unkosher animals. And the voice of God tells Peter three times to rise up, kill, and eat. So Peter is being directed by God to directly contradict that which was revealed in the Old Testament to be the standard of God. And Peter wrestles with God. Three times he says, I'm not going to do this because I'm faithful. And finally, uh, Peter gives in to God saying, no, you have to do this thing I'm commanding you to do. Um, Peter wakes up out of this vision and realizes that this had nothing to do with unclean animals at all, but unclean people. And um, he gets a knock at his door and is asked to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile man, and preach the gospel to him. Peter goes, the Holy Spirit falls, and the next thing Peter knows is the council of apostles in Jerusalem are calling him to meet with them because he's transgressed the word of God. And the word has gotten out that Peter has gone and fraternized with these people. He's helped these people who were not supposed to be faithful or Christian biblically to become Christian. Um, and they didn't change their Gentileness to become Christian. And Peter goes to answer before the council and he says to them, what else was I supposed to do? I preached the gospel, the spirit of God fell, and these people proclaimed Jesus as their Lord. How can I deny this? And the funny thing is, it says, uh, next verse down, it says that the apostles respond to Peter by saying, so then God has made it that uh, Gentiles can repent and become followers of Jesus. And to see that the principles at work in that story, two big things came, came up for me. One, it was experience that the early church saw as authoritative enough to change centuries of teaching. Yeah. So, it was the experience of God working among these people whom the scripture clearly said God could not work among that changed their mind. Yeah. And today, I mean, we all grew up in traditions, I'm sure, where we heard preachers get up and say, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things, who can know it? Talking yeah. about how unreliable our experience is. But the reality for me is I've gone out into the world now for a few years and gotten to travel around and meet LGBT people who follow Jesus on every continent around the world. And I can't deny that the Spirit of God is at work in their lives. Right. Right. And I would suggest and hope that people couldn't deny that the Spirit is at work in my life. And so, whatever your theology is, it seems to me that the standard set forth in the New Testament is that when your experience and your theology begin to clash, that maybe it's time to start questioning the theology, the long-held belief. Maybe it's time to start listening to what the Spirit of God might be saying. Um, and I think the more that people sit down face-to-face -face with LGBT Christians, um, their minds will be changed. And I think that's the only thing that will change minds, not theological debate. Interesting. Um, yeah, I agree with that, too. Yeah. See, and, and that's, why, okay. that's why these... Toby, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. That's why these conversations are so important because once you put a real person, you hear a real voice and a real Christian with this, it 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 gets further away from an issue, and it's like, well, wait a second, and and that's where I'm at. I, I first of all, I think there's enough gray area in the Bible for someone to uh, land on on either side of this quote unquote issue, and I hate using that word, but I'm just not willing 
to be Brandon's Holy Spirit and say, nah, you're not, you're not hearing from God correctly. Like I, I just, I, I'm having a hard enough time deciding whether or not I'm hearing from God correctly, much less determining whether or not you are. So I would just rather say, you're my brother in Christ and I'm going to trust that you are following God. And what I'm curious about though, is what is your perspective of how much progress we are making as Capital C Church, and how soon will it be that mainstream big churches, like you know, I'll throw out like Saddleback or even a church like Seacoast that I work uh, at, or Elevation Church, these huge churches with celebrity pastors? Matt Matt theorizes that I think Matt, I don't want to speak for you that it'll probably happen a lot sooner than a lot of us think. But do you think that just like there's no church now that's uh, uh, um, an advocate for slavery and racism and all that stuff, at least on purpose. Do you think we're uh, nearing a place where the church as a whole is gay affirming? That's a hard question to answer. I'll say this. Um, I think there's two streams of kind of that evangelical Christianity in America right now. There is a moderate stream, which is where a lot of these mega churches like Saddleback and the Willow Creeks and the Seacoasts would be. And then there's the kind of right resurgence that would be the hardcore Southern Baptist gospel coalition type evangelical Mm -hmm. churches. I don't think those gospel coalition type churches are changing anytime soon. Um, I've been, but on the other hand, um, if I told you the names of the celebrity pastors that I've sat down with across the table in the past four years um, and met with their church staffs and churches that are beginning to shift internally, at least from the leadership level, and they're struggling with how do we get this to our congregation wow. without our congregation walking out the door. Yes. Now, this, you're, um, you, I'm sorry, you got me fired up. I, got, I know, me some, too, but I, let him I finish. I got to hear I want to engage on this topic, but this gets me really fired up because it's really interesting, and I want to bring it back to something else. I, let's totally continue that. That's what this whole show is about. And I was trying to explain to somebody yesterday. It's like, listen, I've been all the way through this evangelical system. I've been in the leadership and behind the scenes. The way that this that Christianity in the American evangelical system is presenting itself is so image controlled. Even the pastors that are up there on Sunday, they're like me. They're not that different than me. I know they're not. And and the, the consumer level number, money driven, whatever it power driven <laughs> stuff isn't. They're, they're they're putting on a different front and 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 they 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 are even tied up and they can't even say what they really think or speak the way they want or use the language they want because they're that. dependent we on money we can do that i don't i'm not even saying that because he's about to say something which is which is way more delicate and nice that i want to i really get mad about that like i'm putting myself out here because i want you to know and i'm telling you these freaking pastors are, are that they're the big time that have squeaky clean images they're just like me i know they are i know for sure they are i know firsthand they are but that's only behind the scenes and that drives me crazy now what he's about to say i'm it sounded like is a lot more <laughs> let him bene- say it. benevolent which is like you think that you you don't feel as angry as i do about that like you feel like they are trying or is that not just bullshit it's both ends um i've gotten the opportunity to work with um probably about 12 churches over the past two years that have actually come out as LGBT affirming. Uh, These were conservative-ish evangelical churches. And I've seen some of them do it really poorly. So if you just get up on Sunday morning all of a sudden to a church Mm -hmm. that has no clue that this is coming and declare... But that's your fault, too, for being so soft for so long and hidden for so long that you can't even say what you think anymore. 
because you're held hostage. Sure. And the so yes, I think that there's a level Number of down, Matt. It's all right. <laughs> I love it. If we're truly if we're truly people of moral and faithful and faithfulness, morality and faithfulness, I think there is a uh, conviction that needs to come to these pastors and leaders and authors that are LGBT affirming in private, but are too afraid to step up and say it publicly. I think there is something really, um, it, it shows a lack of faithfulness to what you believe. and Character, integrity? No? <laughs> all those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I also have sat with a couple of these pastors who have churches of 20, 30, 40,000 people. And I wonder if, like, it's going to take a long time for you to move these people. And the question is, is it better for you to take a stand on this and lose your influence over the 50,000 people you're preaching to on Sunday morning? Or is there a way to work? And it's a terrible analogy, but I use it all the time. Is there a way to poison the water slowly to help people begin to get this over time and then you will never use the have word to make vaccinate an instead of poison. Then, yeah, that's probably except for bad. it has its own baggage, but it's an immunity. I mean, honestly, and and this in no way is to to toot our horn because everything that we've done has as is far from calculated, far from strategic. But <laughs> I I I kind of think that we, I mean, we're a bunch of Southern boys from the Bible Belt, and I think Toby and I were way more. Uh, victims of of that, but over the years of doing this podcast, people have seen us, in your words, poison the water because, I mean, we're just talking about what we're learning and how we're growing and the perspectives that we're picking up, so people have seen it gradually, whereas I think if we would have started the podcast with where we're at right now, we definitely would not have acquired a, a good mainstream Christianity base. Or been careful, ultra careful to maybe make sure we didn't this or this or this, and then all of a sudden dropped it. Yeah, That's nonsense. That's not how people act. That's not real relationships. That's not real. It's not integrity. It's not principle. It's nothing. It's been hidden. And the other thing, though, and I think you all demonstrate this from what I can see, and it's definitely true in my life is I just always want to come out um, and be very clear that the slippery slope is real. <laughs> that this LGBT issue, or whether it's women issues or whatever, there is a problem with conservative evangelicalism. There is a problem with this rigid, boxed-in, doctrinally defined faith. And when you do begin to pull one brick, other bricks begin to fall. And so your faith is going to change in multiple ways. And I think that's exactly what's supposed to happen. If you look at how Jesus himself deals with scripture and traditions and doctrines and dogmas, you see him challenging and reshaping and reforming them. And people, I've seen so many, especially LGBT Christians, try to just change the LGBT part and keep the whole rest of the conservative evangelical system. And I don't think it really works very well. Um, You're there needs to be a change in the way that you look at grace. There needs to be a change in the way that you look at salvation. For me, salvation isn't, do you believe the right thing? Are you, and that makes you in or out. It's not a matter of heaven or hell. Like all of this stuff began to change before I ever got to the LGBT issue. And I know that's not, it's not a good selling point for those who aren't there um, right, right now. They're like, journey. oh, well, that guy's way off. <laughs> He's way yeah. off on everything. <laughs> but the other thing is I spent two years or so trying to preach that everything could stay the same. And the problem is it's not the LGBT issue. The system 
of Christianity that we've bought into is fundamentally broken. It's based yeah. in fear. It's based in exclusion, not just of gay people, but of people who don't believe exactly the right doctrines. And that is, I think, antithetical to Jesus. So, if we're going to be faithful to Jesus, this whole system needs to start to be rethought and reformed. Well, I think one thing, too, is that I, I really don't I don't think people, especially evangelicals, understand that why would you do this if it wasn't real? You know what I mean? Like gay agenda. You, you, you would not have <laughs> lost your book deal. Yeah, you, it, it didn't like benefit you, and you did this thing where oh man, now oh yeah, because he's gay, he's just killing it. It's just so awesome. Or, or sorry, uh, bisexual. No. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Or, or queer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a whatever. I'm from South Carolina. Public education. Sorry about that. But uh, uh, but that that idea is: Do you come ac- across that? Like, do people think that your sexuality is just? to get fame like because in more ways it has to have hurt you right yeah. like it, it's been way more of a difficult journey if you would have signed that that romans letter or whatever you know and said hey yeah. gay's bad i mean you yeah. could have lied and got a killer book deal and maybe be way more wealthy everything so so that so that's my that question was the dream. What, like what where does the where does like the courage or the i mean what is that because you you really do believe Doing the right thing is the right thing. I mean, why 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 take a stand? You could have you could have stayed hidden. Yeah, there's two things. I mean, one, the reality that as I started to step into my true identity uh, with my friends and in my personal life, I'm not very good at lying. I'm not very good at living the split life. Um, I tried it, and if I could have mastered it, like lots of other people do, uh, I would have. Yeah. I could have mm-hmm. carved out a nice little spot for me in evangelicalism yeah. and even became that gay Christian conservative, like, and no dissing to them. But uh, for me, it just became more and more evident that as my face changed and as I felt more compelled to just be who I was, because when I was hiding in the closet, so to speak, with all this shame, I was living such an unhealthy life. To live that split is such an unhealthy, yeah. non God-honoring way of living. Mm-hmm. I live a much more healthy life when I was able to step out into the light and just say, this is what's real for me, and I know what the cost is going to be, but if I don't do this, what's going to happen is that I'll be an evangelical pastor, and in 10 years, some scandal is going to happen because I was right. living in the darkness, yeah. and I wasn't willing to allow that to be my mm-hmm. story. Let me let people off the hook just a little bit, but ask them a question, and that it would be, if you are a leader of a small group, if you are a leader of a household or a small church. And I know this is the people that listen to this podcast or God forbid, a large church. Please, please, if you hold a view that you find to be maybe progressive, but you think the people under your charge are not ready for it, or you're not sure how to do that, please check yourself. I understand the way that must feel. Feel, but please check yourself on your motivations there and, and consider the words integrity and principle and character. If you really believe it, you may be not respecting the people under your charge enough is what is the way I would say that. I'm not, I mean, I understand that's difficult and you know, I don't know how you feel about that. Do you feel betrayed? How about this? How about all that time you spent in the closet? Like, should, I mean, was that, was that poor? 
was that bad? Do you regret being in the closet as long as you were because you you know there was a duality there, or, or or you know how do you think of people that are dealing with feeling more progressive inwardly but being afraid to share outwardly? How do, how do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't regret it, and um, going back to this very basic Christian biblical principle, it's the principle of love and fear and love casting out fear. So if you're living from a place of fear, you're not living in line with this principle of love, which the scripture says is what God is, who God is. And so that really was something that convicted me. Even before we got to the LGBT issue, it was, well, I can either stay quiet about the questions that I have, and my Bible college will go well, and I'll be great, or I can get rid of the fear that I'm living in and try to live honest with God and honest before everyone else and let the dice fall where they may. And mm-hmm. I did that. And like I said, over, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but over the course of my four years, Moody tried to kick me out six times because mm-hmm. of just asking questions. Literally. Um, I had a podcast and I was interviewing those emergent church people that they were mm-hmm. all super afraid of. Yeah. And um, I, that level of fear brought me to the point where I was in the hospital four times over the course of that six or oh, uh, four years yeah. with anxiety disorder because yep. I didn't know what to do. So I think it's more healthy to rip the Band-Aid off in some ways and just say, this is where I'm at. Um, but I also are you, understand. Are you familiar with uh, Matt Moore by any chance? Do, do you yeah. know? Um, so from your end, uh, we, we've had him on this podcast. And for those of you that haven't heard the episode, it is a, a gay Christian that is not affirming. And uh, and I don't know if he's that's been a couple of years. So maybe remaining he's, celibate and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, or yeah. So what is your perspective on him? Do you see him as a victim of Christian culture? Um, no, uh, the LGBT world, whether you, LGBT Christian world, whether you fall on the side of believing that you can live faithfully in in relationship, or you believe that either you're wired in such a way that you should be celibate, or that because of your Christian conviction, you should be celibate. I think it's more important to live faithful to your conviction. This goes back to Romans 14, what, and a lot of Christians hate this, but Paul writes, Essentially, what might be sin for one person isn't sin for another person. There is this moral uh, relativism that's embedded in how we live our lives based on our wiring and our created disposition. So, people who feel really convicted, and I have lots of celibate gay friends, um, if that's their conviction, they need to be supported. And the LGBT secular community, um, to be fair, has not done a great job of saying that's a laudable lifestyle as well. Um, So I'm not in a place where I would ever say that those people are uh, victims of Christian culture. I would want to dig deep in a personal relationship and just see what are they believing and why. Um, Well, so relationships important is what you're saying. mm. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Let me suggest too that, I mean, I know I'm very on the skeptical side here as opposed to hopeful from the top down change, but it occurs to me, maybe this has got to be a bottom up thing. So maybe we just need to demand and gently demand and demonstrate from the bottom up what we expect of those leaders and demonstrate to them, you know, even like, you know, like what if the big head pastor of church is afraid to deal with the topic, but if there was a groundswell of, openness shown at the community group level 
Maybe that maybe a bottom up way because I don't I don't know that I see in big monolithic power structures that they ever are able to reverse course. Well, I, let I'm me a, use I, Christianese I here and put. That. I'm going to push back on that man. Here's the here's the problem. Here's the problem I have with that, and 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 here's where I was a very short time ago. Like the just the idea, like we, we like you guys were just talking about, even with Matt Moore, or whatever. The idea of oh, I'm I'm okay that you're you know you might be LGBTQ, just don't act on it. Like that, that idea is still like, wait a minute, what, you, what in the world are we talking about here? Like, uh, if we start at, okay, I'll accept it if you do this, this, and this, like these conditions does not seem like Jesus. It does not seem grace filled. It does not seem like, okay, let me actually be on a journey with, with folks. Let me, let me experience that. That's what's the thing about church that I really feel is dangerous is the system that we have is the pastor uh, is, uh, guiding you is like a is in authority is in leadership and the bigger question is it's not just about sexuality is it that a pastor would not say something that he feels to be honest and true because he's worried about losing tithing or size of his congregation or something like that like the like you were even talking about you've talked with several church leaders and stuff like that in churches and do you think is that the underlying tone that I fully believe we should build a bridge and help people understand I, I don't think like my yeah. father could never understand this conversation he cannot sure. understand it and I don't even think he's the, he's a terrible guy or anything but his entire life has been anything homosexual or gay or LGBTQ is Perverse. evil and simple. Yeah. Same way as he thinks alcohol, not dr not even drinking alcohol, just alcohol itself is yeah. evil and sinful, right? So I know there needs to be a bridge for those people, but if in leadership is scared of what dad what my like somebody like my dad would think, who they are are they willing to take a chance on education and learning and, and like I mean, is that what you're seeing? Yeah. So I'll say this, um and people would disagree with me on this uh in different areas of the Christian world, but I think for a certain sect of people, spe specifically those who are up in age and who have lived in a world where they've inherited a worldview, they've learned a worldview, I'm not super interested in forcing them to change their minds on this. Um, the reality is that the church itself is changing hands. Younger and younger people are starting to come into leadership, and so I see that's where the change is primarily going to come from, not from the 50, 60, 70-year-old pastor who has had the same theology his whole life, all of a sudden changing it. Um, I don't feel the need to make those people do that. I don't think it's developmentally understanding how human psychology works and human growth and development works. It's not healthy to try to force somebody to change their worldview. Yeah. In fact, when you do that, you solidify them in the worldview they have. Right. So, for those people, it's okay, we agree to disagree, you can think I'm not a Christian, and it doesn't really affect me, but I'm going to go be a part of the communities and work with the communities that are more open and have a different worldview just by nature of how they grew up and the culture they grew up in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, not forcing it, because it, it might would just, like you said, reinforce, like, you're right, this conversation with my dad might just reinforce, oh, so they're, they're evil, that's yep. the devil and the, the, the devil or doing this and that, but which is so funny because well, here's, here's what's really strange too. And I'm, I might even relate this in a way to like the same way as like growing up in the South and, and like with racism or something, it's just so inherent in how you grow up that for me to grow out of it, it literally took a lot pulling it out of me. Like, wait a minute, hold on. This is what I've always been told, told, always been taught 
for my entire life. So for me to experience new folks, new ideas mm-hmm. and all that stuff, it was a challenge at first and it's taken a long time. So I think that's interesting that you say that, that maybe those people, you just go, well, it's not going to like my grandparents or something like that. You're right. Like having this yeah. conversation would not have opened their mind because yeah. it's so ingrained in them. And I think that's the beautiful moment that we get to live in right now, though, um, specifically in the political and cultural climate of the United States right now. There seems to be something that I would say is being done by the Holy Spirit, rising, raising the consciousness of the United States to understand how deep racism and sexism and homophobia have been embedded in our culture. And so many people are now finally waking up and realizing that. And we're seeing mass movements of people taking to the streets, which has never happened before. And so I think, again, that highlights the generational shift that there's a couple generations that are finally saying, gee, we've really got to start addressing this racism thing. And there are some generations that have just solidified and said, well, nope, this is, let's, no offense, make America great again. Let's go back to the way it was when we were growing up. And that's what we're facing right now, a split. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so uh, shifting gears and then letting you go because we're running out of time. But um, please forgive me for, first of all, my stupidity because these questions I'm just dying to ask, but it's going to make me sound really stupid. So Yeah, no, Brandon, he is really stupid. Right, (laughs) I mean, don't worry. If you feel that way, it's natural. Most people do. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joey. uh, Bless your heart. First of all, like, are you, um, is monogamy a conviction or waiting to have sex before you're married? Are these, are these convictions of yours? Yeah. Uh, for me, um, again, I, I believe in a system and I, as a pastor teach my church based on Romans 14, that I believe in a values centered system rather than a rule confined system. So I believe that the way relationship works out is we take these values we find in scripture and we try to incarnate them in our own lives um, rather than saying, here are the rules and you can't cross these boundaries because people are different. Yeah. Um, so I, in teaching, wouldn't say that sex before marriage is necessarily sinful. I would say you need to take the values of dignity, equality, respect, love, and see how that manifests in your own life. Um, and as far as the monogamy conversation goes, um, this is a conversation that I think we as a culture are going to be forced into discussing, not because it's a slippery moral slope, but there is conversation happening right now in all, sort, all sorts of spheres about polyamory and uh, relationships like that. I don't know where to fall on that spectrum, but I will confess that, again, sitting down face-to-face with people and couples who follow Jesus and live in different relational models than what we have seen traditionally for our culture does begin to change my mind slightly to see yeah. that there are relationships that are respectful that don't fall into the traditional model. What what was that word that you just used? Paula, what? Polyamory. What's the difference between that and polygamy? I'm sorry. Yeah, polyamory just basically it's uh, polygamy is a patriarchal type of relationship. So it's one yeah. man, multiple women. Polyamory is just a way of saying that uh, more than two people are in a loving relationship with gotcha. one another. Um, so, gotcha. And then, um, well, I was going to say too. It's interesting that like Christians would so naturally be not that weirded out by <laughs> King Solomon ha- yeah. having multiple wives and concubines, and King David, man after God's own heart. Like the idea is, uh, no, this one thing though. 
yeah. I, I can I can build you know build my foundation on that. That that is what is interesting, and I, I think the bigger thing too is it like it seems to me like I haven't talked to you, and I really do appreciate how well you've articulated this and explained it. It it's interesting, like it feels like, and I wanted to ask you this, and maybe we can let you go after this, but it is your goal eventually that you don't have to talk about this? Like it seems like that's <laughs> what you're kind of headed towards. Like it's not that you want to talk about LGBTQ that much. Like it seems like. You want to talk about Jesus and God's forgiveness and love and how we can become better people and what how how we can be changed and all that stuff. That, yeah. Is that where your heart is? Like you, it, your heart doesn't seem necessarily to be about sexuality, but but yeah. it's so forced by that that other side or whatever that you have to. Where, where, where are you at? With yeah, that? I'll say this: uh, my real goal and uh, the space that I've entered into in my own faith and my own spirituality is again back to that love and fear thing. Since I don't believe my salvation is based on whether I believe and preach the right things, but is based on unconditional grace and love, uh, I don't have fear anymore to ask questions, to explore. If I cross a boundary and go too far with something I think or teach, there's grace for that and I can always correct that and come back. That's the message I'm passionate about is let's get rid of the fear at the heart of Christianity and replace it with love which frees us up to make mistakes, to mess up, to grow and question and press boundaries. Um, and I will keep talking about sexuality because the church needs it right now. I have yeah. uh, two books coming out in the next yeah. year on sexuality, but I also spend most of my Sundays here at the church that I pastor never mentioning being LGBT, and it's not that important to me because, again, it, for me, this message of love conquering fear, which I think is the heart of the gospel, is really everything I hope to preach, teach, and embody. That's, gotcha. That's and, awesome, and, and my last question is uh, because I, I am, I am definitely very new at understanding bisexuality. Like it's something that I, I haven't talked to. Uh, like I, well, at this point, I have two friends that are, and only one of them thinks that it's okay. The other one's just like, yeah, I have to be careful. But what I'm super curious about is. Uh, and this sounds like I'm uh, making sport of you, and I'm not at all. But is it hard to, uh, I guess, settle down to one person, given that you are never going to experience the other gender? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you decided to have a lifelong relationship with a guy, would it be in the back part of your mind, man, I'm going to miss women, or vice versa? For me, I think bisexuality... Um is really no different than being heterosexual. There's always going to be other people you're going to be attracted to. There's always going to be other people that you're going to wonder what that relationship could have looked like. Um, and I've dated both women and men in my life. Um, and so I, I know what both sides have to offer. And um, yeah, I mean, I think just in relationship in general, there's always going to be that what if. Um, but bisexuality, the common misconception that uh, just needs to be dispelled is that it means that people are looking to be in relationships with both men and women at the same time right. for a vast majority of bisexuals. That is not the case. Right. Um, so yeah, right. it's just attraction right. to all genders and whatever one you fall in love with is gotcha. where you have your relationship. Uh, that makes sense. So, where, so where Brandon, do, yeah. Where can people find you at where, or, and your books? Where, when are they coming out or where can they find your books too? Yeah, in the UK, my book, Our Witness, The Unheard Stories of LGBT Christian, comes out later this month, and then in the US, it'll come out in February. Um, but brandonrobertson.com has all the information and more. So, And that's, awesome. and that's uh, Brandon with two A's. That's kind of a unique spelling, at least in America. Brandon. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's been awesome, man. It really yeah, We has. really I, appreciate you coming on, man. Yep. No, thank you all so much. It's been so good to talk sure. to you. So. Awesome. All right. Peace. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again. Uh, he get it. <laughs> no, I hung up. <laughs> you hung up on him, well, Joey? I, I, no, I just thought that that was what we were supposed to do. I was uh, it, so there wouldn't be like an awkward. It just makes me. Here's where I get so. I upset. love that guy, by the way. Oh he's my he's seriously one of I, my favorite people I've talked well, to. That's I what I was him. getting ready to say. Is I, it makes me so mad that we have a huge, very popular podcast, and we are so stupid. Like we are, <laughs> he, like the way he articulated his right. thoughts. The way that he's, uh, you know, lived his life and, and experiences, and, and is able to tell us about those and where he's headed, and and his views on God and his faith and his sexuality. Like I just think, gosh, I feel so inferior. Like I just, I'm just a goop. Like I don't, I don't even understand the letters of LGBTQ. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I'm that's that's how far I am behind. You don't even understand but, putting things in alphabetical order. I don't I mean, know the alphabet. <laughs> I, I only, I, well, how many are there? Like 17? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, it, it really is. The, these And this is where, you know, I, and I try not to think too highly of ourselves, but this right here is where I think, okay, this right we, here. we are doing something good by simply having these conversations because... We're the some, best. So, <laughs> Some, some, somehow we do have a mainstream Christian listenership of, of pastors and, and people that right. need to hear this is a real guy that's a real Christian that serves God maybe more realer than you do, and he's bisexual. I mean, that, I that, has, to, that has to shake people's foundation a little bit. And man, I would, I, how much money would you pay for him to tell you the pastors that he talked, he's talked oh to behind the scenes? I'd want to know that so bad. He would never do it, but <laughs> gosh, I, there's a lot of dough I would pay to see who he's talked to <laughs> and like which pastors are like, yeah, we can't come out yet. Like I, that's what I think is interesting. I really do believe in building a bridge for people now. I used to not, right? but uh, I do see that now. You have to build a bridge so people can get from point A to point B. Yeah. Like, you can't just jump ahead. And, or maybe it's point M or whatever it is. Like you cannot just jump ahead and just shock people because from like, and this just goes for you and I just right now talking about you and I, our entire life has been built on homosexuality is evil and sinful right. and potentially hellbound folks. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and so to pull that out from, I mean, I've heard that ever since I was a little kid. Right. God rained down, God rained down fire yes. to destroy them. That's what 100%. We that's what yes. we were talking. I have been told many times if homosexuality is okay, then what about Sodom and Gomorrah? You don't right. know how many times I've been, that's been, you know what I mean? Right. And so, like, even though that whole scene is about men who are trying to rape people, right? And, and, and rape angels and rape, and then they end up raping uh, women anyway. I mean, like, that, like the idea that that is inherently homosexual is just so crazy. It, yeah. It's so messed up. But anyway. I just, I really do appreciate getting to hear voices like that that are also grace filled for people that aren't there yet and don't understand and all that stuff. But it is the more, the older I get, the more I realize God cannot be that interested on in where wieners and vaginas are active. It just can't be like if that's, if God is that, like, I mean, we are. Right. We, we're that focused on it. It's really important to us. God that could cr- cr- create planets and the universe and all this stuff that's that's his big that's the big kicker where your penis or <laughs> vagina interacts with other people like that if that's what god has really cared cares about then he's like donald trump 
<laughs> Seriously. All right. Anyway. Well, well uh, real quick, those of you that have joined the BC Club uh, yeah. recently, we want to give you a quick shout out. And that, excuse me, is Andrew Jones, Brian Johnson, Lucas Tolkien. Toby, you got that so far? JR. I yep. call him JR. Um, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Mike. And last name is Mike Hunt, <laughs> Cancino, Joshua Wing, Micah Black, Rachel Red. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. You threw one in there that was a little bit different. What did you say? Cancino, <laughs> Cancino, <What>? Mike Cancino. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you just said Cancino. I see. I said Mike Hunt, H U N T. And you, I, you were correct. I just thought you said Cancino. Like, okay. I thought okay. that was their whole name. Like, Joshua okay. Wing, Micah Black, Rachel Red, Tiffany Canini, Michael Emmons, and Joey Torres. Did you Thank add you the guys. one from the from the BC Club? I'm about asked? to. Zeke okay. Ful, Fulgencio Zella. He said oh, yeah. that he's been in the BC Club for a year and hasn't heard his name. My guess is that we've said his name. He just missed it, you punk ass. Yeah, he hadn't listened but. to all of them. <laughs> Man, Zeke. Uh, what's his last name again? Zelly. Z-E-L-L-E. You said Fungilanelli or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, what his middle say? his middle name is Fulgencio. No, see <laughs> What? What? So his first Say that again. His first his, name his is first Zeke, name is Zeke, and then and then Fulgencia, full Fulgencio, not not half Gencia, right? Not a F, quarter Gencia. Yeah, okay. he's Fulgencia. Yeah, Fulgencia. Okay. Yeah. So so both of his parents are are Gencio, and so okay, he's Fulgencia. He's Fulgencia. Okay. Right. I was right. wondering. Like I'm not fully German. I've got yeah. some German blood. He is right. full. Gencia. Like me, I might be a third Gencia, but he's a full Gencia, which makes it's pretty amazing. Right. And last name is Zelly. But anyway, the BC Club for new listeners, per, potentially Brandon yeah, Robertson's uh, folks that have come and listened to this podcast, uh, you can go to thebcclub.com and go over there, honestly, just to, uh, it's kind of informative of some of the stuff that we're doing and you get to see some of the people that are involved in this Bad Christian Outfit. But for those of you that want to support what we're doing, we will gladly take your support, even if it is clicking on Amazon link and doing your shopping through that link. We get a little kickback, but there's also ways of joining the club. And two of the biggest perks that at least the club members say are really awesome to have is a Facebook community where people uh, talk about really interesting things and meet people on the other side of the country that believe in the same way. And then we also give you a an extra podcast episode weekly. So that's a pretty darn good deal. And uh, Toby, if it's okay, man, I would like to uh, take this blessing um, I, I, once in a while, I really feel called and, well, uh, like the Lord I, I, I don't know if the no, listeners have noticed, but Matt is missing. So I was going to, if you don't mind, I was going to like in honor of Matt, Matt had to leave and go pick up his daughter yeah. really quickly. So Joey and I are finishing it. So, um, if you don't mind I, in honor of Matt, I was going to say something, Matt, uh, uh, a, a benediction that Matt would say. Okay. Well then let me just say mine first. Okay. Yeah. You go ahead. All right. So I feel like the Lord wants our listeners to hear this. It's very simple. You kneel for the cross and you stand for the flag. Oh Amen. man! Okay, and praise so the Lord. Okay. That was now, from this the Holy one, Spirit. Yeah, this is this is Matt's uh, you know benediction here. Um, in older classification systems, most amoebas were placed in the class of in the class or subphylum Sarcodoni, Sarcodina, a grouping <laughs> of single-celled organisms that possess pseudopods or move by protoplasmic flow. <laughs> See y'all next time.
listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.